Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clappercast, episode 97. I'm your host, soon to enlist in World War III, apparently, Carson Tamar. Just kidding. I'm not enlisting. I'm not fighting. Don't put me in Joe. Joined today by Alina Falls, the Canadian who actually, I guess you guys might be fighting, and Paul, who I I will support fighting. I'll send your recommendation. I am 100% too old. Thank God. Um, that's how it works. So enjoy. Uh, I was going to say prison. but. <laughs> I really hope me being a woman will get me out of this. I'll stay home and like cook and clean. I ain't going over the Ukraine and holding machine guns. No way, Jose. I will say I've never felt more feminist than the days before war. Um, (laughs) Also, like, I'm sorry, we have a cultural podcast (laughs) that needs to keep going with the arts. Like, we have to watch Morbius and Avatar 2, so you can't send us. Sorry. Avatar 2 will still be waiting after the world ends. (laughs) Well, let's get into our slate of films because we have a lot to talk about. Maybe not a lot of good stuff, but we have a lot of stuff. And let's start off with a movie I did not see because I said, fuck this. Uncharted. Video game adaptation. (laughs) Game I didn't play. Film I didn't play. So I have no reference on how to introduce this. So Paul or Alina, why don't you start talking about the Uh, film? I can because I played the games. Um, so there was like a, remember when you said I looked like a gamer, just FYI. Yeah, no, you still do. That was so rude. But I'm guessing it's, I'm guessing it's more like a candy crush gamer now. Um, but like (laughs) the Sims four, but you're like one of those that like actually plays it doesn't just kill everyone. I could 100% see Carson doing like the 100 baby Sims challenge. (laughs) Okay, yeah. No, you are actually getting to who I am, so this is true. <laughs> so I was right, just the wrong kind of game. My Zoo Tycoon um, is thriving. <laughs> oh my god, I used to play the shit out of Zoo Tycoon when I was a kid. I had the expansion pack with like extinct so animals and dinosaurs and whatever. It's good shit. I wish I had a disc drive on my Mac. I, I would play that one, and then I also really liked the one that was basically SeaWorld. I have that one too. Um, which is yes. Which when you think about it now, it was like really set us up well because it was like, oh, I have 10 feet of space. I can put in a whale. (laughs) (laughs) Look, as someone who might have attended SeaWorld recently, I'll say tanks look about the same as my Zoo Tycoon ones. Yeah. (laughs) Our Zoo Tycoon ones were nicer. (laughs) Um, Honestly. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, I I played Uncharted, all four of them. Um, It goes... First one's good. Second one is one of the greatest games ever made. Third one is still good, but there's like weird things in it. Fourth one is not great. So what they did, and it's really smart that they did this. They took the fourth one and made that into a movie. Um, The most boring one. It's like, ooh, pirate treasure. It's like, what is this? Like 1970? We've already done pirate treasure. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other thing that's funny is there was a running meme that you could pick any white male actor in Hollywood and he would be the perfect Nathan Drake. It was just like, that's how he works. And somehow Sony found the one that is not a good Nathan Drake. Um, I don't dislike Tom Holland, but he's a so Spider-Man and be so baby faced that I never bought that this person was not in high school. Um, And he's definitely supposed to be like, 25 in this which i know tom holland actually is but it did not work and so um the other thing that's funny is originally 
uh, Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be uh, Nathan Drake, and now he's aged out, but not really. He still could have played Nathan Drake and been fine, but they aged him out to play Sully, the old man. <laughs> like <laughs> in the game, Sully's like, I want to say in his 60s, maybe 70s. And they're like, Mark Wahlberg, you can play that. And none of this really worked for me um, just overall. But I do think that it works for people who haven't played the game. And I think that there's going to be a real disconnect um, in how this is remembered from people who see it as a video game movie and people who don't. I think it's very similar to the um, Tomb Raider series, both the original one with Angelina Jolie and the newer one, um, where like people who didn't play the games are like, oh, it's a fun adventure uh, movie. And the people who played the games are like, "Mm, it's not it's not the same. And I really think it's so easy to do a video game movie. Well, I don't know why we can't, because it just seems like there is a story. We like the story and we like the iconography. Just do that. Um, and I haven't seen one where they haven't screwed with the, the formula enough to where it's annoying. Um, even this one that tries to follow pretty closely to the fourth movie with like sprinkles of the third, um, or fourth game, um, still doesn't work perfectly. But Alina, what'd you think? Mm, I haven't played Uncharted and I don't know anything about it. And I tweeted after I saw the film, why is it called Uncharted if the entire journey is mapped out by a bunch of 16th century Spanish dudes? And I feel like a lot of my Twitter followers took that as a joke, but I'm like 1 million percent serious. Why the fuck is it called Uncharted? It's not. Dumb. (laughs) Um, I didn't really like this, and I'm kind of sad because like if you ignore that this is a video game adaptation, this is kind of like a fun adventure. Or it's supposed to be like a fun adventure movie, kind of like like Jungle Cruise or like Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. So I was like expecting to like it a lot more than I did. And like, it's fine. But I feel like there was just so many like periods that were just so like boring. Like I just didn't like the pacing at all. And it just felt like, it, it really did feel like a video game. Like, you're just going through, like, the checkpoints and, like, trying to get the story to progress. And I was like, okay, I'm tired. Um, yeah, since I don't know the characters, I didn't, like, have issues with, like, Tom Holland or Mark Wahlberg. I don't really like Tom Holland, just generally, in this. But I thought Mark Wahlberg was fine. I laughed at a lot of, like, the stuff he said. He was, like, very sassy. And I normally don't like Mark Wahlberg that much. But, hey. I don't know. Just overall, it was just really bland. Um, It is funny that um, one of the things about Tom Holland is he clearly like worked out a lot for this movie. And there's a shirtless scene. And because his face is still so small, it literally (laughs) looked and I was like, this looks a little like it's CGI'd on. I know it wasn't, but it's like such a buff body. And he's got this little bitty child head. It's kind of like the opposite of them putting Chris Evans's head on skinny Steve Rogers. That's what it reminded me of. It's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, it felt so flat. Even the action was so flat. I it's really like a struggle to even talk about because it was just so slow. Like I fell asleep at one point, like not <laughs> even going to lie. It wasn't enough to where it like mattered, 
because nothing in this movie matters, you can kind of guess where the entire thing's going if you watch one trailer, mm-hmm. <laughs> like scene by scene. Um, they even like the show the ending actually... finale in the trailer with like the ships yeah, and whatever. Yeah, they do. Um, the only thing that like I think um, was pretty well done were actually both scenes um, in two different bars. Um, there's one where it's like showing uh, Nathan kind of being like a a bartender slash thief which is fun um and that's new ish for the character and then there's another scene where they're like trying to search for something and it's set in like this underground bar Mm -hmm. very cool very fun if the movie had been more like that i'd have been totally into it but it just it gets so bogged down with like trying to be indiana jones and forgetting what's fun about Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think back to Indiana Jones, you don't really think back to, you know, all of the, like, searching stuff. You think of the, like, couple fun set pieces and the good jokes. Um, you know, the, like, uh, kind of sarcastic humor he has. Um, but I think that this just tried to... And I've seen a lot of these recently where it's, like, so bogged down on trying to give you like backstory and plot to things that you don't care about like i don't care about these MacGuffins, um and ultimately that's how this whole movie goes also antonio banderas is in this oh my god wasted i was so sad because i forgot he was in it and then he showed up and i was like oh my god antonio banderas love him i'm like back in and then spoilers he just gets murdered out of nowhere and i thought he was the big bad villain and i was like Okay. And I thought he was a better villain than the, like, girl who is, like, an ex of Mark Wahlberg's character. And I was like, okay. I did not like her at all. First of all, her hair was terrible. And she was boring. Yes. It's like, girl, you're using too much gel. Also, she just played a high schooler in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So it was very weird, like, that age gap. Honestly, like, Hollywood is really doing the age gaps recently. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw someone talk about, like, that we're not noticing the uh, one in Marry Me that her first boyfriend is like 20 years younger than her, 25 years younger, something wild. I feel like that's easily um, possible because JLo looks super young and they mention that her character is 35, which I would believe. I forgot that she's supposed to be 35. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um but anyway yeah uh i think the ages are all wrong on this um i also think like skipping out on elena is stupid um and introducing chloe but not really giving her a like one of the things about the uncharted game is even though it's a video game it's like very sexual and like kind of fun and this is very neutered um like you know he's supposed to be kind of james bondish and that like he's hooking up with girls all the time and like you know, he's kind of past that when we meet him. But if this is supposed to be him younger, that's his like, you know, his hoe phase and he's a virgin. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's fine. Um, I see why it made a buttload of money, but I don't think that like. I don't think it'll be remembered well when like a sequel is coming up. I don't think everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, we have to go and um, see. This although I also now. said yeah. that with Sonic. I don't know. Are they making a sequel? Is it like confirmed at all for Uncharted? I mean, it made more than they were expecting. So mm. that to me is in nowadays it's that makes sense. confirmed sequel time. I did really like the scene where like 
Tom Holland and the girl who plays Chloe were like going through the like church crypt and then like Mark Wahlberg was like up in like the streets of Barcelona and they had like the two cross keys and they were trying to figure that out and then like Mark Wahlberg walks into a Papa John's and he's like I'm literally in a Papa John's right now I don't know why but that made me laugh like an idiot and no one else in my theater did and I was like that's funny guys come on it's funny uh and then he gets in like a big bullety fist fight in the middle of a papa john's (laughs) like that was fun yeah no there were parts that were like fun i just wish there were more more fun um like i think that whole sequence is the best part of the movie they were just the fun parts were just spread too far between it's just i didn't need all that also the guy who plays the scotsman I feel like that joke is getting tired. It was like, we've did this with Austin Powers. I'm tired. No idea what that man was saying, which was the joke, <laughs> but it's a tired joke. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, Carson, you didn't miss much. Nope. Definitely skippable. I didn't think I would. I That's valid. Watched the trailer and I was like, yeah, I know what this is going to be. And I you really honestly could have faked it. your way through this. Mm-hmm. You oh, could have sure. just watched the trailer like three times and been like, oh, yeah, I loved it. The trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more thing to add that I forgot about until just now. There's a point in Uncharted where Chloe and Nathan Drake wash up on, like, an Indonesian beach resort. And, like, it's very obvious that this is a cameo of somebody. And I didn't know who it was because I never played the Uncharted games. But I was just like, I can feel that this is a cameo. And it's just so forced and obvious. And it, I hated it. And it turned out to be the guy who voiced uh, Nathan Drake in the games. So I was like, stop. It's really bad not executed well at all it's the voice of um nathan drake mm-hmm. and yeah it is bad and also like when he's like that happened to me it really like threw me for a curve because i was like wait does that mean that the games are supposed to have also happened is there another nathan drake doing this exact same thing right it was weird i, was like, I don't like this yeah it, it's like it, it should have been more like a stan lee cameo instead they gave him like a cameo um, you know that's gonna be the case in the new mario also because the voice actor is in it in a a cameo role. Oh so. God! And Chris Pratt's gonna be like, "Oh, Mamma Mia, what's up?" It's a you, Mario. <laughs> Fuck off! It's a me, Mario. That's not the voice, but it's me, a Mario. <laughs> That's not the voice. <laughs> it's such a good line. Well, let's talk about the film starring an unfit, dirty mutt and a dog. It's my favorite poster of the year for so far. Dog. Alina, I will let you start because I again, this is one of those films we're watching because of you and only because of you. So take it away. Um, okay, I really have a soft spot for Channing Tatum. I like him a lot, and honestly, if Channing Tatum was not in this movie, I feel like it would have been skippable. But I was like, no, we have to talk about Channing. We stand. Um, Dog is about this like guy who is like. A former U.S. Army Ranger. I don't know what that means. It's probably some sort of like soldier, whatever. Um, and he is trying to get back into the army after he has some like traumatic brain injury. Um, and so he's trying to convince people to like let him back in. And then this one army captain, major guy. I don't know how the U.S. military works. I'm sorry. Um, it's like, yeah, I'll write you this letter so you can come back in the U.S. Army if you drive this fucking crazy 
Belgian Malinois dog to some like funeral in Arizona. And Channing Tatum is like, okay, cool. Um, and he does it because like he was friends with the guy who like got killed and so like he knew the dog prior. Um and it turns out to be really sad because you're watching like Channing Tatum cope with like the trauma and stress of like war. And then the dog, who is like an army dog, is also going through like the same thing. And I think they handled that relationship and all of that like mental health stuff in Channing Tatum's character and the dog really well. Um and there was like a lot of like really funny moments that lightened the mood. And I just like I thought it was really cute. And I like cried. And like this is like Channing Tatum's like directorial debut, I think. Yeah. He's like co-director on it. So I was like, that's pretty interesting. I, I liked it a lot. It like surprised me. It was really like sweet and pleasant, especially after suffering through Uncharted. Yeah, I think I overall agree. Yes, dog like is sometimes problematic, sometimes boring, but always endearing. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a genuinely sweet film. Like, and yes, you have the moments where he's impersonating a blind person and the dog turns out to be racist. That's and, fine. Like, that's a scene. It's a choice. It's a choice. But like, I don't know. I don't know if it was the charisma of Channing Tatum. I don't know if it's how cute Lulu is. I don't know the actual name of the dog, so I'm just gonna call her Lulu, but like there was something about this film that I just found really cute. And by the end, like, yes, I knew what was happening, obviously, from the very first scene. Like, you know how the film is going to end, but it still works and it still is cute and adorable. Um, I really like I didn't I didn't love the film, but I appreciate it. And I had a much better time with it than I thought, Mm -hmm. considering normally I'm not very into these like clearly pro-war veteran pretty standard films this one was like cute yeah so i appreciated that i guess yeah i like usually like despise movies like this also because like i am muslim and it's really annoying watching like movies like hey let's kill a bunch of brown people in the middle east like i hate it but this one just like wasn't like that it just didn't focus on like any of that at all except for like the scene in like the lobby which i did not find like necessary at all that was, like, the one scene where I was like, okay, we could have done without it. Like, even, like, him pretending to be a blind man is, like, a bit problematic. But, like, his heart was in the right place because he was, like, Lulu, after talking to the psychic, wanted to have a nice comfy mattress to sleep. And I was like, okay, fine. Pretend to be a blind man. It's cool. But then, like, she got, had to go and tackle a guy in, like, Arab clothes. And I was like, this is not, this is not it, chief. <laughs> Um, I did really like the scene where they're in like Oregon or Northern California and Lulu escapes from the truck and like stumbles upon this like marijuana plantation. Um, and like at first you don't see the guy who like knocks Channing Tatum out and I was convinced that it was going to be Ron Perlman and then it was Kevin Nash who is a wrestler and I love and I guess, like, he was in it because they were in Magic Mike together. So that was, like, a cute little reference that I enjoyed. I don't know. It's like, it was a really cute movie. You should go see it. Yeah, I think this is one, especially if you're talking about, like, family entertainment. I can't think of the last one that was, like, as good as this. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. I also I do want to know quickly, though, like, where in la they found this beautiful like house that's affordable that has like a I was... backyard and shit like <laughs> that looked lovely i was literally thinking that the whole time i was talking to one of my friends and i was like um <laughs> walking distance to the piano yeah. <laughs> here i was like how much is this house this like 
guy's like, oh, yeah, I take care of this dog and have a whole family and this beautiful house with a guest house. And I was like, is that where Channing Tatum moved in at the end of the movie? <laughs> I like to think so. I think Does they like him and uh, the guy who is like in that scene plays Randy on My Name is Earl, which is one of my favorite shows. So like that was fun to see him also. I feel like I, like he has to because I don't think like there's a brief moment in this film where like they're in LA and Channing Tatum goes to see like his ex-girlfriend and like child I assume and like you don't see what happens but like he just like leaves the house like grumpily still carrying the stuffed unicorn he got for his daughter so obviously like things went badly so I like don't believe that he would have like gone and moved in with them like right at the end of the film like that suddenly so if he's in LA, which he clearly is after adopting Lulu, um, I feel like he has to be in Randy from My Name is Earl's guest house. Because also, as a plot point, that he is broke. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Normally, you don't like quit your job, get a dog, and move to LA is not like the formula to get rich and like have a life. Maybe he's going to live under the pier. They kind of like set that up as like you could do that. So. The last thing I will say about dog is I do think it's really interesting how it's like a very subtle commentary on the military industrial complex and how like the U.S. military and even like the Canadian military and like I'm sure all the other ones also do nothing for veterans once they like come back from war. Um, Like that is shown a lot through Channing Tatum's character and how he's like literally like so concerned about getting this like army ranger job again so he can make like 200k a year and like he works at subway in the opening like scene of the movie um and i kind of wish that they had like delved into that theme like a lot deeper but i also could see how that could piss some people off um if they did like acknowledge it more than like just surface level but overall i think it was like a really good movie republicans are gonna eat this shit up my theater was like, my screening was filled with military people. They were doing like a partnership and they loved it. They were crying. So, oh, I did have a dog next to me. I had a full service dog. And I thought, I thought that it was going to bite me. It was like a German <laughs> Shepherd. And I was like, it was like clearly like a vet because I like the whole thing was like, it was a whole vet thing. And mm-hmm. then like, I thought it was going to bite me because they had the gunshots and fireworks. And I was, it was like looking at me and I was like, this is stressful. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. And my friends, that is the Star Draft. Hollywood's award season is right around the corner, and that means another season of Star Draft is upon us. Star Draft turns Hollywood's award season into fantasy football. You draft actors and musicians, they win accolades throughout the award season, and your team earns points. This year, the Star Draft is hoping to sign up their thousandth user, and if they do, they're going to give away $1,000 in cash prizes. So join a league today and spread the word. Even we at Clappercast have a league that you can join on the site's public leagues page. So sign up today, battle it out with me, Alina, and Paul. Just look up Clappercast on the website, and that is at thestardraft.com. Once again, thestardraft.com. And may the anoms be ever in your favor. Well, why don't we move on from dog, leave that in the pound, and let's rev up our chainsaws for Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. I will start because I did watch all the Texas Chainsaw films going into this, and most of them are not good. I'll just say flat out, I don't like the series. I think most of them are quite shit other than like the first few. Um, But overall... Is the film good? No. <laughs> is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 good? No. But is it fun? 
Yes. Um, it's about this group of millennials who go to Texas and then they accidentally kill this old woman. And it turns out that Leatherface is living with her and it's like his mom figure. I don't think it's his actual mom, but it's like his mother figure. And then he just starts killing everyone. And you just get Leatherface for 81 minutes murdering a bunch of millennials. And it has some wild things. Like one of them survived a school shooting. So she's like reminded of that. And then you have the girl from the first film come in and I won't spoil it, but she doesn't really do much. And she's like absolutely horrendous, but it's quite funny. Um, It's not good. It's clearly just trying to do what Halloween 2018 did, but like, I don't know. I had fun and probably because it's just short, like at 81 minutes it never becomes painful to watch, at least for me. Paul, I'm curious your thoughts, because I don't think you've seen the franchise, and you like horror overall, so I don't know what your thoughts are going to be on this. I hate the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and somehow this is worse. Uh, Yeah, no, I am not of the, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a great horrible... It's shit. It's so bad. Like, um, it's that kind of like, you know, um, oh... You know, let's watch a bunch of people get murdered and there's not really a plot. And then this one like does the same thing, but has like an attempt at plot. Um, It was funny when you said, um, was this good? No. But was it fun? I was like, also no. <laughs> um, I hate mean spirited things. And this is so mean. There's like so much to this movie that like there's people that don't really have anything none of them are bad people um and so it's really frustrating to watch this movie when like you're supposed to be kind of cheering as this mentally ill person's like chopping up a bunch of people um yes is the whole sequence with the confederate flag batshit insane yes it's so like scripted um And it's, like, one of the most annoying parts of the entire movie. But after that, like, they're just, like, kids. And I don't think they're millennials. I think they're Gen Z. I think they're supposed to be, like, 20. Um, Which is very funny that these 20-year-olds can buy a house. Not just a house. An entire town. Harlow would 100% be, like, already gentrified. I was like, this has already been done. (laughs) Like, we're talking about this supposed to be in, like, 2021 um, when this is probably set. No, it's definitely been taken over and made into like a very cute like country club area. Um, and they would just shoot Leatherface. It'd be fine. Texas um, is also miserable. Like, no offense, but like to all the Texans out there, I have family in Texas. But like, there's nothing that sounds worse than being in like the middle of rural Texas in the summer. Like, that sounds absolute hell. I do not see the vision for these Gen Zers at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and their busload of friends. Um. I like uh, I disagree with you, Carson. This movie was so long. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, how is this only 89 minutes? The first part I was enjoying. Um, I thought it was fun, like the setup, because I hated all the characters. And I was like, oh, good. I'll, I'll enjoy watching them die. And then there's the stuff like the school shooting and like them wanting to like fix up the town and all this stuff. It was so weird. You know what? This is like uh, what you were talking about with Dove or Dove. You know, this is like what you're talking about with dog. Uh, It's very much made for Republicans. And it's like weird. It's like definitely like, oh, look, those liberals came in and they got what's coming to them for, you know, 
caring about the confederate flag i mean there's an extended sequence justifying the confederate flag i guess it was just like shock that as someone who watched this franchise like i'm sitting there film nine and we're doing the confederate flag and i was like what and then leatherface i don't know how it's difficult to make like a mask but he looks laughably bad in this like it's when he pops up from the sunflowers like that's a gif i could use daily like it is so funny it's his mom mask i'm also not to give spoilers but there is a scene towards the end featuring an automatic like drive that is like the funniest scene of the year like it is so funny funny. (laughs) and it's not supposed to be it's definitely supposed to be like it's supposed to be a recreation of what happened in the first one, obviously. Um, but A, it doesn't work um, because that's not what happens in the first one. Um, and so, like, there's no, like, the the stress isn't the same. Also, um, it involves my least favorite character, so I was thrilled. Um, and the Tesla is also moving at two miles an hour. Yeah, the I slowest know. car I've ever seen in my life. Um, no. So, like, everyone's talking about the bus scene. Um, and weirdly, I was at a early event for um, Black Phone a couple months ago. And I was in line with people who apparently, like, go to a bunch of pre-release screenings. And they had seen this. And I assume that they cut out a ton because they said it was so gross that, like, half of the audience for, like, the pre-screening, like, left. They were like, nope, we're not doing this. Um because this is already like pretty gross, uh, but I can see almost like watching it. You can see where they like cut out some of the violence. Well, there's one kilt that is brutal with where he stabs this guy with his own bone, which is like that scene is like I, I love that kill. But like outside of that, all the other kills feel very different. So I think it was all meant to be that kind of gross. And then I guess the kill there's a kill towards the end. That's pretty gross. But um. I, I think you I agree where you can tell like there's watered down kill throughout considering how far it goes in some scenes. Yeah, and I also think that shows why it's 89 minutes. But um, yeah, it's just me like, you know, you're talking about stuff and you're like, oh, that's so cool. It's like, yeah, but these were like sad people. I just like felt bad the whole time. I wasn't like having a like, you know, grand old time watching all these people get murdered. And usually I am. But I think that's the same problem I have with movies like Saw where it's not like people who like opened a mummy's curse or something like that. It's like <sighs> people just live in their lives existing and then getting murdered. <laughs> Feels a little too real, I guess. Uh, sorry, I want some. <laughs> Again, give me supernatural. <laughs> to be fair, every character in this is absolutely incompetently stupid. I cannot tell how bad they treat Sally when she comes back. She is psychotic. She just walks up to Leatherface sitting and just lets him like leave and then just starts laughing like the Joker randomly. It's very strange. And then like, I guess, okay, spoiler alert. She just like pretty much immediately bites the bullet and does nothing, but then doesn't. She gets chainsawed in half. You want to talk about Supernatural. That bitch gets chainsawed in half and she's still alive. So like- She has a whole speech. She has a whole speech (laughs) and she throws a gun. She really like- In the trash. 20 minutes. She's in the trash trash <laughs> they literally throw the original character and they had to recast because the original girl died rest in peace the girl they got absolutely is terrible but like they literally throw her in the trash it's horrendous <laughs> it is so funny though um yeah and it's it's funny uh knowing that you know Lori's probably not making out of this last halloween and it's like man they really just love killing off the final girls you can't be the final girl if you die later 
<laughs> but at least Lori, they gave two films though. It wasn't an immediate just like. But you she's lost. also a crazy bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> let these people like move on and get therapy, not just like still traumatized by that one evening. <laughs> That's fair. Also, I don't. I don't think I would live in Texas anymore if I went through the events. Of the first I was film. thinking that same thing. Also, I would not be that worried about trying to kill him. Like Michael makes sense. This one is like. Why? <laughs> you went into his house. <laughs> but it wasn't even about killing him. She was like, say my name. And I was like, well, this doesn't really work. Like, with Halloween, it works, I think, better with how they do it. Yeah, I don't know. It, this was not, it was not it, sis. But like, I don't know, I, I had fun with it. I think if you're a fan of the franchise, you can also. But maybe that's just me. It's terrible. <laughs> don't get it wrong. Uh, uh, meanwhile, a uh, friend of the podcast, Chris, gave it a Four and a half star. <laughs> yep, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because it is literally like if you look at the rankings, I always like to look at this when someone rates it a four and a half star because I always think it's funny. Four and a half is always the lowest of a rating for a movie that's like bad or like considered not great because four and a half means you actually like unironically love it. <laughs> if you give it a five, then it's like can be like camp or whatever. But four and a half is like very much like I think of this as a film. And that's he, there's like 200 people that put it like that. The thousands that have watched it. There is a concerning amount of people, though, who are like, no, this is genuinely good. And I'm saying this is someone who likes cats genuinely, but like it's scary. It is. Scary. Well, this I think I think it's to. just, um, you know, I think it's just worms for brains um, that were caused by malignant. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's fair and you know the people who were like no malignant's good actually and are now like oh this is too much but now like it started that's on you people who said malignant was good and knew it wasn't <laughs> okay that's it for our new releases of the week so let's end this thing off it is one of those weeks paul it's your favorite we're on the road to wrestlemania alina take it away for the segment Hi, we're back for week two of my nonsensical road for road. Oh my god, <laughs> for my nonsensical road to WrestleMania series. So it's week two, um, and the next stop on the road to WrestleMania is the Elimination Chamber, and the wrestler we are covering this week is one uh, Dave Batista, who has also been making quite a wave in uh, Hollywood. Um, So I picked two films that have Batista. And originally it was just one. Originally I had just picked My Spy, but I hadn't seen Stuber yet. And I was like, this is a perfect way to like finally force myself to watch Stuber. Um, So I guess we'll start off with Stuber since that one came out like in 2019. Um, Carson, you had seen this one before, but Paul and I hadn't start with you what you think do you get it because his name is Stu and he does uber here's the thing i don't know if i could say i love stuber i can't say i love stuber because i don't love stuber but i was not and i did not rewatch this to be clear but like i remember having a good enough time with it to where i was like yeah this is fine like you know what it's going to be though actually narratively i think it does a few things to change it up here and there but like you know what this is gonna be Kumail Nanjani and Dave Batista. One is a small, weak boy. One is a strong, big boy. But he's kind of dumb. And then they go in this mystery. 
and this action. And like, yeah, you know what you're getting into. And I think if you go in with the mindset that this is going to be absolutely nothing more than what it seems like it's going to be, like, it's fine. The jokes are funny. I think the performances especially are like fine, like good comedic performances. But like, it doesn't elevate itself any more than what you would expect from this. So I don't know. I don't have any like strong feelings either way. I think it's like a fine comedy. It's not like one of the best like surprises of the year, but I don't think it's terrible either, which I know I think is kind of a like hot take. I don't really get why so many people hate this, but I know they do. And I know Paul does. So who knows? Yes. Um, I gave this a half star. Um, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I wanted to die and I paid $5 Canadian for it. Um, <laughs> really what? putting Paul through the fires of hell this week. <laughs> yeah, I like to say in uh, Canadian dollars, so Alina knows that I had to spend it in her money. So when I say like three ninety nine, she's not like, oh, well, that's not that bad. No, five dollars Canadian. Um, it was hell. Every second was miserable. Um, I hated everyone. And it continued my intense dislike of uh, Nanjiani. And I don't know why, because he's actually like a nice guy and like his stand up is pretty funny. Um, I've seen him in L.A. a couple times, but like in movies, oh, he gets me. Um, yeah, overall, this was just like, uh, you know what? Also, <laughs> I will say, Carson, I was 100 percent sure that Karen Gillan uh, was going to come back and she just doesn't, which is like the weirdest thing. It really feels like she was supposed to. And she what was like, actually, no, dead. Like, I, was she supposed to, like, have survived and kept it a secret? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I assumed <laughs> is she was going to be the bad, bad cop. Well, you don't cast someone famous and then have them die off. The only thing I can assume is she read the script. I was think like, she just no. did it because, like, she's probably friends with Batista after Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what I assumed. Oh, I like, Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, 2014 and this is 2019. And, like, so he has blackmail on her. Yeah, they make a they make like a few MCU references in both of these films, actually, like they really want to make us like remember like Batista's in the MCU. Don't forget, he's Drax. And I was like, this is a lot for me. I don't need this. Um, all these references. Yeah, no, this was terrible. And I hated every second of it. And sorry, Alina. I mean, I can see, um, you know, um, I can't see anyone liking this. I'm surprised you do, Carson. Mm, um, to surprised. be clear, I hadn't seen either of these movies before I picked them, and I knew they were going to be bad. But I don't know. I acknowledge that Stuber is a bad movie, but I had like, I thought it was like enjoyable as I was watching it. But it's very like unmemorable because it's just like any other buddy cop action movie. The like main things that like stick out to me are like the references that they make throughout the film. Like at one point. Um, Kumail Nanjiani refers to Batista as like Andre the Giant because ha ha he's a wrestler and then um, there's like there's like a few MCU references like there's a point where like towards the end of the film like Kumail's character accuses Batista of like just doing this to like avenge his partner and I was like oh I get it because they're the Avengers and I was like stop we don't have to like make all of these references but like overall I thought it was like fine. I feel like this is also like a good movie that you'd watch with like your parents. My mom and dad would like bullshit like this. Speaking of the next movie, it's My Spy. And I feel like these two films are very much like Batista in his Dwayne the Rock Johnson era. Like 
These are fully movies that Rock was doing in 2005, especially My Spy. Like, the little girl in My Spy reminds me so much of um, Madison Paytas and, like, the game plan, I think it is. Jesus. It's wild that they're making, like, the exact same movie, like, 15 years later. Um, My Is Spy. Is that what the game plan's about? No. I honestly don't remember. But, like, it's, like, I yeah, just you mean, remembered like, her name. <laughs> Good on you. Well, yeah, because the actress was on Corey in the house. Um, the Oh, sorry. Um, I, forgot, I didn't know that. that yeah, I, I don't mean, like, him being, like, a spy. I mean, like, big, huge muscle man becomes friends with tiny little girl. See, I think of, I think of uh, his movie, The Tooth Fairy, which I did not watch, but um, I could see both of those. Why don't you go see The Tooth Fairy? You didn't see number two with Larry the Cable Guy? Um, There's a second Tooth Fairy? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I didn't see it because I have um, dignity. Think of it. Okay, there we go. That's actually one of the <laughs> nicer ones that you could have said. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember anything about Tooth Fairy other than he's a hockey player in it and becomes the Tooth Fairy, which I think is the entire film, right? Pretty sure that's the entire I think plot. that's it. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, my spy is Oh, about... Madison Paytas. I like Madison yeah. Paytas. She was the yes. only part I enjoyed and he's all that. Yeah. Dude, she was just an insane you villain. You didn't like when they went and got KFC to go? <laughs> okay, that actually <laughs> is right <laughs> part of the movie. Um, like... I, I just feel like this, like, Chloe Coleman, I think is her name. I don't know why I keep calling her Chloe Bennett. I think that's somebody else. Um, but, like, I feel like Chloe Coleman is, like, the Madison Paytas of, like, this generation. She's, like, doing the exact same, like, movies that she was doing as, like, a little girl. And, like, they have, like, the same curly hair. It's odd. Anyway, uh, my spy, Batista, is a spy in this movie, obviously. Um, and like Chloe Coleman and her mother, like just moved back to Chicago from Paris after the, the like father dies and they don't really like explain it, but like the father is like obviously involved in some like nefarious criminal activity with their uncle. Um, and like Chloe Coleman and her mother are trying to like escape all of that and Batista CIA with his like partner and they like bug their house and then like. The little girl being, like, technology competent, like, figures out that they're spies really easily. And then she kind of, like, blackmails Batista into becoming besties. <laughs> That's the main movie. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was cute. I would watch this with my little cousins again. But I don't – it's also a very unmemorable movie. And I'm glad that Batista is doing, like, mostly doing roles that are – not like this because and he should probably stop doing roles like this i'm upset that batista's doing roles but <laughs> i like him i, I will say I like, like i guess too. overall i really like dave batista i in, Me too. like blade runner love him okay so i do know part of why i don't like batista is i know for a fact um this is like one of my fun facts is that when he did drax the destroyer originally drax the destroyer was supposed to not be comedic um but he was such a bad actor that the editors just left all his lines too long to where it looked like he was trying to do him for comedy. And now he's like a fan favorite, but it's just because he was such a bad actor. But like some of my friends that work on Marvel were like, no, it was hell because we were like, can we do this? This is the only way to make this character not the worst thing we've ever seen. 
And that's what I think of all the time with him. <laughs> can you blame him for being in a silly, goofy mood? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I can and do and will. Oh, I feel like he's improved as an actor like a ton since Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like I could take Dave Bautista. (laughs) Now that is okay. (laughs) Strong. The man is like 320 pounds of like pure steroids. You know what? I would like to see you try. Yeah, I know. I'm ready for it. To see him Bautista bomb you, that'd be hilarious. (laughs) Here's what I'll say about my spy. I don't think I've ever seen a film that like is so clearly in a state of identity crisis. Cause I, this is one of those films that before COVID some films got delayed for like a year. So their poster and their trailer was just like in theaters for a year solid. And my spy was one of those films. And I thought it was a children's film the entire time. And then I sat down to watch it and it says PG 13 and then they're cussing. And I was like, this is strange. Cause it just is clearly a children's film. As you mentioned with like mm-hmm. talking about the game plan and tooth fairy and all that, like it's very much in that vein where this is meant for like six-year-old girls, but then they just have it be PG-13. And then they have like shooting and people like die. And it's very strange, isn't it? Like, I don't yeah. know what this film is. I don't know why it took them a year to have like delays. Wait. And then it still came out during like COVID was like, they just were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, we're still releasing it during COVID. Wait, but, like very strange. But um, uh, to your point about uh, PG-13, I did not know it was PG-13. thought it was pg and then they have a decapitated man, and I gasped. I was like, <laughs> are, are we allowed to do that. this to our children? Same. That's why I texted you. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was legitimately shocking. Um, yeah, no, some of the jokes in this were okay. And I also thought Kristen Shaw was funny. I always find Kristen Shaw funny. But um, I fucking hate in these movies the third act. Every single time we figured out who you are. Oh, no, there's a scene where they are sad and everyone's sad and everything's going wrong. It's like, oh, God, murder me. I thought um, Batista and Chloe Coleman were had good like chemistry. Like it did very much remind like me of romantic like the Rock chemistry. And oh, no, <laughs> like father daughter <laughs> chemistry, like the Rock and Madison Paytas. Yeah. So that's the Stuber and my spice. Now we're going to move into like the match the wrestling match that I picked for Batista. Um, and honestly, even though Stuber and My Spy are like movies from like Batista's later acting career, they just remind me so much of like The Rock's early career that I picked a match that like felt like, like it, it, that it is like establishing Batista's like come up to like a top star. And I feel like his career trajectory in film is kind of in like the same part as that. I really think these matches through people. Um, so I picked the elimination chamber match from the 2005 pay-per-view um, new year's revolution. Um, and at this point in time, the world heavyweight championship was vacant because um, Eric Bischoff, who is the Raw general manager, made Triple H, who was the champion, um, fight Chris Benoit and Edge in a triple threat match on Raw. And Edge was kind of like pinning Chris Benoit at the same time that he tapped out. And then so they decided that instead of restarting the match, that the title was just going to be vacant. Um, so that's the lead up. 
um, to like the match specifically. Uh, so like an elimination chamber is like a big cage match and it starts with two guys in the ring. Then there's like four other people locked in like chambers. And then every five minutes, a new person enters the match and you get eliminated by like pinfall or submission. So you basically have to like um, get through like five guys to win the elimination chamber. So this one had Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Edge, Randy Orton, Triple H, and Batista. Um, and I think it has like amazing storytelling for the end of like the evolution stable. And like, it's like, it like sets the like intention for Batista becoming like a top star in the company. Like he doesn't win this match, spoilers, but like it has beautiful storytelling. So what do you guys think? Paul, why don't you take it away? I watched the um, three minute uh, clips, uh, best of clips, and then about 45 seconds into it, I turned it off. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. um, And it also played with like, (laughs) like the song from I want to say 2001. Um, that was like this rock song and it was like while it was like showing like the best of clips. Um, but it was good. Those 30 seconds were like fire. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can't believe you found time for Stuber, but not this. Um, I will say watch if you're ever going to watch this, watch wrestling isn't wrestling because it sets it up quite literally perfectly. I don't know if I would say, like, I don't know. It was fine. I think that it was a lot of, like, somewhat attractive men and Chris Jericho um, in a chamber fighting, which was fun. Um, That's rude to Chris Jericho. He's ugly. Like Chris Jericho. No. Maybe in that. With his long hair. Yeah, his short hair is way better. He, <laughs> he looks way better with short hair. I, I'm sure he's hot <laughs> elsewhere. I'm just saying here he was not hot. Um, but no, I thought this was like good and like, I don't know. I think the point of this probably was to sell you on seeing Triple H versus Batista. And where I like, I'm not like going on the edge of my seat to see it. I like, I was like, yeah, that seems like a big deal. That seems fun. Um, mm-hmm. But just watch, watch wrestling isn't wrestling before you watch this. Cause it literally sets like every element of it up perfectly. So it was good. Also, they were in Puerto Rico. That's fun. I didn't know they did shit in Puerto Rico. So that was fun. It's world wrestling entertainment. They go everywhere. I'm going to give my hottest award to Randy Orton, though. Obviously. He was huge. He, he was is hot. the hottest. Um, I don't know. I just feel like in the like timeline of like WWE at this match, it's just like so fucking well done. Um, like it has everything in like the whole like rivalries that like are going on at the time. Like even specifically like the evolution stuff, because like Randy Orton, Batista, Triple H, and Ric Flair were, like, a stable. Um, And then, like, a couple months before, like, this New Year's Revolution, uh, Randy Orton beat Chris Benoit SummerSlam for the World Heavyweight Championship. And Triple H was fucking pissed because no one else can be the champion except him. And then so they turned on Randy Orton. And then, like, I feel like that translates really well in the match. And then, like... Batista is still a part of Evolution at this time. It says Ric Flair. And then, like, you see Batista gunning for, like, the championship. And he's, like, starting to turn on Triple H. And it doesn't happen yet because Randy Orton eliminates Batista from the cage match. And then it's just, like, setting up for, like, that year's mania. Because after all this happens, Batista won the 2005 Royal Rumble. And then he challenged Triple H at WrestleMania. And that was, like, that was, like, fully the end of Evolution. Um, 
Like, I, I feel like, like, this is, like, in the middle of the story, but I think it, it, it breaks. It's so good. It translates everything so well. Boom. Well, let's get into our recommendations for the week to end this thing off. Um, I'll go first. If you want a batshit insane film, check out Pedro Almodovar's Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. This film is batshit insane. I don't even like him as a director that much, really. Genuinely. I think most of his films are like, fine. And this one's like, not great, but it is just wild, fun camp. Paul, I actually think you would genuinely like this if you can get past the subtitles. Um, I don't know. I really expected nothing. <laughs> well, you don't <laughs> you've said on air that you don't like subtitles so it's I'm not sorry. that i don't like subtitles it's like i you know you have to be in the mood for subtitles sure yeah. sure and you also can't be drunk um paul what's your recommendation for the week gonna be my recommendation for the week is um actually a new movie that came out the cursed i don't know if it's a perfect film um but i saw it at sundance when it was called eight for silver and I think it's just like a fun werewolf-esque movie. Um, it reminds me a lot, Carson, of the Brotherhood of the Wolf. I think Brotherhood of the Wolf is a little stronger. Um, a lot stronger. But um, I really enjoy like just um, the moodiness to this. And then like the hyper-violence that appears. You know, you were talking earlier about how much I love horror. Um, I do find like that's like one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, that was cool. Um, that particular moment was like really great. There's one shot where a kid's standing in a field, something jumps by him and it looks down and he has no arm. And it's like, that's great horror. It's so fucking scary. Um, I think other parts are a little too slow. I think it should have had like 20, 30 minutes cut out. Um, and I will also recommend as a double to this, if you haven't seen it completely flipped, same director, Sean Ellis's um, film Cashback. Um, which is, uh, a film with actually Oliver Wood from, uh, Harry Potter from the first two episodes, uh, first two movies. And, um, it's about a guy who, um, works in a grocery store and has like kind of a very boring life, but a very vivid imagination. And it's him like trying to just like kind of move into being like, a semi-adult um very fun coming of age um and i love that film um so yeah that's my two for the week same director though so i'm counting it as one fair enough i will second that for the cursed um very happy it finally was released that was like the last one from sundance last year that felt like it needed to come out and now it's out so that's good alina what's your recommendation for this week I watched this weird Canadian film this week on Canopy called The 20th Century. It's by some guy named Matthew Rankin. Um, and it's so fucking batshit and surreal. But I had so much fun with it. I feel like if, you, if you've seen like any Canadian films out of like the Winnipeg film group, this is like very much in like the same realm. And this director is also from Winnipeg, but I don't think he was in the film group. But like... If you know of those people, you know what you're getting into. Um, and it follows a, like, fictionalized version of, like, Sir William Lyon Mackenzie King, who was, like, a prime minister of Canada, um, as he's, like, working to be prime minister. And, like, the sets here are so fucking nice. The guy who plays, like, this weird version of William Lyon Mackenzie King is so fun. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. But if you like, like, weird shit, 
this is good and I really, really recommend it. Like I had no idea what was happening, but I gave it four and a half stars. I had such a good time. It's iconic. Sure. Well, that's going to do it for this week on ClapperCast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Alina. I am at Alina Falds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. You might notice that this is being posted on a Tuesday. That's because we're moving to Tuesdays. We've been doing Wednesdays, but we're going to do Tuesdays most weeks. There might be a few. We're just like personal life gets in the way and editing requires it to come out Wednesday, but we're moving officially to Tuesdays. So catch new episodes every single Tuesday. Uh, write us an email at clappercast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at clapperpodcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week for a very special Batman-themed episode of Clappercast. See you then.